we have a sickness care rather than a healthcare system. We have a sickness care system. Why? Because we are so sick. Mm. Why? For many reasons that the official political establishment doesn't want to discuss. I am a woman on a mission that is dedicated to teaching you just how powerful your body was built to be. I like to do that by bringing you the latest science, the greatest thought leaders, and applicable steps that help you tap into your own internal healing power. The purpose of this podcast is to give you the power back and help you believe in yourself again. My name is Dr. Mindy Pels, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Okay, Resetters, I have got a new series for you here on my podcast called Thought Leaders. I have been blessed to be able to have some very rich conversations with some of the most amazing thought leaders that as a society, we have turned to in times of trouble. And Marianne Williamson is definitely one of those thought leaders. So if you're not familiar with Marianne Williamson, let me tell you a little bit about her. She is the author of 14 books, and four of those were New York Times bestsellers. Perhaps her most famous book is Return to Love, which if you have not read it, I highly recommend it. And if you're not familiar with her Course in Miracles that she teaches, she has a morning meditation series out right now, going day by day through the Course in Miracles that I highly recommend. But why I wanted to bring her on to the Resetter podcast is I feel like we need to have a richer discussion about healthcare. And as many of you may know, she ran for president here in America. And when she was on one of the presidential debates, she spoke about her whole healthcare plan. Now, if you're not familiar with her whole healthcare plan, I highly recommend you Google it because this is one of the most comprehensive approaches to health that I have ever seen. And on the presidential debate, when they asked her about healthcare for all, she said, we need to start a discussion about why we have so much chronic disease in our country. And then she never got the opportunity to finish that discussion. So on this podcast interview, we finished that discussion. And you will hear that Marianne is one of the deepest thinkers. This woman is not only incredibly intelligent, um, but she doesn't think on the surface. She goes 15 layers deep. And she and I talk about one of the things that is really near and dear to my heart, which is how do we create an even playing field for people in our country when it comes to healthcare? Why does healthcare have to be so expensive? What can we do to make it so that everybody in our country, and I will even say in the world, can live a healthy life? So she and I dive into this conversation. I no doubt it will give you new perspectives um, and will hopefully elevate the conversation around health. So enjoy. This is a one of a kind interview. And I hope that you get a bigger picture as to what we all need to do to take personal action so that not only our lives are filled with health, but the lives of all Americans. And please stay all the way through to the end. 
because the last 10 minutes was Marianne, what I call Marianne off the hook. She went all into how do we create a vibration of love. Uh, She gives some really great insights on some daily routines we can do so that we can lift our vibration up so that we can all step into love in a time when the world needs us to not only be a healthy version of ourselves, but a more loving version of ourselves. So first of many thought leaders, I am bringing to you Marianne Williamson. Enjoy. Hey, Recenters, as we step into the new year, I am so thrilled to invite you on an extremely transformative journey with me in my Reset Academy. So check this out. If you're ready to kickstart your fasting and health journey, which I know so many of you have reached out to us and asked how you customize a fasting lifestyle for you, my Reset Academy is the absolute best place to be. So here's what you get in the Academy. And I like to think of it in terms of a complete picture. So imagine being surrounded by people who understand your journey, who are passionate for fasting, who want to lift you up and will support you every step of the way. My Academy is not just me, my team, but it is an incredible group of people that are all dedicated to building fasting lifestyles and supporting each other in it. This is why I created the Reset Academy. So when you join, you gain access to all the exclusive calls where my team and I share the latest insights, we answer your burning questions, and we guide you towards your health goals. That's not it. We didn't stop there. By becoming a member, you're not just investing in a membership, but you're investing in yourself. I am such a fan of setting you up to win this year, and my academy is the best place I know to do that. I want to keep you focused. I want you to customize this for you, and I want you to succeed at your health goals this year. End of story. So if you're ready to unlock your fullest potential and embrace a fasting lifestyle, join me. If it feels good, join me. And let's make this year an incredible year for us all. So all you got to do is go visit drmindypels.com slash Reset Academy to become a member. I can't wait to welcome you. I can't wait to see you on the Zoom calls. I can't wait to be in community with you. And most importantly, let's get your health goals handled. And let's do this together. It's so much better together. Together. So that's drmindypels.com slash Reset Academy. Excited to see you there. Let me just start off, uh, Maryam, by welcoming you to my Resetter community, which you, you can't even see the hundreds of thousands of people that are going to really enjoy what you have to say. So I'm a huge fan. I admire everything you do from your podcast to your books to the Course in Miracles that I'm getting every morning in my inbox. So I just want to start off by just saying welcome and how greatly. I appreciate how you show up in the world. So thanks for being here. Well, thank you so much. And I feel the same way about you, Mindy. So I'm honored to be here. It's always good to see you. Yeah, thank you. I I really want to start this discussion at a place where uh, the, the way that I looked at healthcare really changed. And you and I have talked about this before. But in the presidential debates, they're the one of the ones that you were on, they were talking about access for healthcare for all. And when it got to you, you said something 
that I feel like nobody is talking about. And I literally jumped off my couch and was like, "What? yes, this is the crux of the issue we need to discuss. And that was when it came to your turn, you said, we need to have a deeper discussion about why we have so much chronic disease in our world. And they gave you you know, a couple sec, you know, a couple seconds, turned off your mic. We never got that discussion. <clears throat> so I want to start with that discussion. Why are we not addressing the chronic disease issue that we have going on? Not just in America, it's now all over the world. Well, it is all over the world. However, in the United States, we have a much higher rate of chronic illness than they do in other European countries. So that's what I was speaking about specifically, was that in other countries of of equal abundance financially, et cetera, uh, we are much higher in terms of our chronic disease. And that is because, as I said in that debate, we have a sickness care rather than a healthcare system. We have a sickness care system. Why? Because we are so sick. Mm. Why? For many reasons that the official political establishment doesn't want to discuss because of the influence of health insurance companies, because of the influence of big pharmaceutical companies, because of the influence of big food companies, big agricultural companies, big chemical companies, and fossil fuel companies. In other words, there are so many ways in which the United States does not protect its citizens compared to other countries where they have much stricter regulations, everything from GMOs to toxins in food to chemicals in the water and everything else. So these are things that the official political establishment does not always want to talk about, because then you're talking about challenging some of their primary corporate donors. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And when I dive into all of that, my brain goes to how, where do we go? How do we get out of this? And, um, you know, I spent a lot of 2020 really trying to understand why the world was so immune compromised. And I had a beautiful interview. In fact, I want to recommend him to your podcast, Dr. Zach Bush. He is a, um, he is an endocrinologist and he has a passion for regenerative agriculture. And I interviewed him early on in the pandemic, and he said one of the challenges we had was that we've been fighting bacteria so greatly that the bacteria keep the viruses in control, and now the viruses are rearing their ugly head. And then you combine that with this immune, we've been walking around looking healthy, but we have an immune compromised uh, uh, society. And when I look at those two things and I step back, I just, I'm trying to figure out where do we move? How do we go forward? How do we get out of this? The kind of fundamental changes that we need, not only in this area, but in so many other areas that parallel that in terms of danger to citizens in order the profits can be maximized for huge corporate entities, has to do with dealing with the underlying cancer. And that is getting money out of politics. Until we get the money out of politics, we will be dealing with this particular monster of corporate dominance. So we, because of the current makeup of the Supreme Court, where it's not likely that we'll be able to overturn Citizens United anytime soon. Citizens United is the Supreme Court decision that gave corporations unlimited power to wield undue uh, financial influence. Uh, It has basically turned our government into a system of legalized bribery, Mm. where our 
our elected officials do more to advocate for corporate profits than they do to advocate for us. There is legislation that will help. There was a bill that passed in the House called H.R. 1. Uh, the Senate version of that bill, I think it's called For the People, will be taken up in the Senate. That will do a lot, but uh, we, we need to go further than that. And ultimately, there will need to be a constitutional amendment establishing federal funding for public, uh, public funding for federal campaigns. That's until we really make our... Uh, our elected officials respond and legislate uh, and and not only pass uh, pass bills, but then execute according to the uh, executive branch. Until we get the money out of politics, we will never be on the path to sustainability like you and I, and I think millions of people want. You know, earlier you said nobody was talking about it. You and I both come from a community where everybody talks. Yeah, about everybody, it. yeah. So, and I think- Not enough. Well, but the thing is, I think that this is a place where we need to face the disconnect between our political establishment and the rest of American society. I think everybody talks. You could talk to any average American and you could make that comment. And we're not stupid. Mm-hmm. People realize this. It's an establishment conversation which simply doesn't go there for the sake of their own money and power. Do you think we live in a country, and I know, again, it's, if there's anything 2020 helped me see is that some of the problems we have in America with our health is now worldwide, but you're right, we do have some of the worst here. Do you think you have to be wealthy to be healthy in America? Uh, that is much truer than not, and that's a very, very terrible thing. Horrible. We have, we have food deserts in this country. We have, uh, we have obese children who are actually obese because they are malnourished, because mm-hmm. their bodies keep wanting to eat more calories in the hopes that maybe they'll get some nourishment. Think about what's happening in America today with hunger. You know, sometimes it's not even just how much you eat, but what you're <sighs> eating. The lack of of fresh fruits and vegetables, the lack of organic produce. I I mean, we we have 1% of Americans who talk about whether or not we'll go to Whole Foods today, and 99% of Americans for whom that would be a luxury to go there once a month that they can't even maybe even be able to imagine. So yes, unfortunately, it is an area where money is far too much of a determinant on our health. Yeah, I think that was a big... This is why... This is why economic justice is such an issue, because we have gotten to the point in America where you have to be basically financially privileged to have easy access to good food, financially privileged to have easy access to health care, financially privileged to have easy access to higher education, financially privileged to have easy access to the economic opportunities that we want in this country. Something is very, very wrong that that is true. Yeah, Absolutely. And I had a really interesting experience I didn't uh, mention to you that uh, a group of teachers in South Carolina asked me to come speak to them about nutrition and fasting. And um, I did on Zoom. This was back in summer 2020. And when I went and explained, like, here are some of the basic tenets of good nutrition for your immune system. There, At the end of the conversation, one of the teachers said, I understand what you're saying about something as simple as good oils. He said, I understand what you're saying that when I go and I pick out my peanut butter, I should make a choice of the one with better oils. But I have to tell you that that jar of peanut butter cost me $8 more than the one with bad oils. And my salary does not allow me to do that. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks then that these, we need to support those people. Bingo. 
That's it. That That's the story you just told says it all. Multiply that by tens of millions of people and also multiply it by many, many areas where the issue is the same. Yeah. But we're in a crisis right now. I mean, we've got a crisis of many things, but my angle is a crisis of health. And what I see is that we are still living what I call an outside outside in philosophy to health, that, that we constantly have to be putting something inside of us to allow the intelligence inside to, to magnify. And we are doing this with medication. Um, we do it, you know, the vaccine that's coming down, all these things um, are still putting the attention on the outside. So when I look at, well, what can we do on the inside? This is why I love things like fasting. Doesn't take a lot of money. You can teach someone how to intermittent fast and you can bring down some of their inflammation levels and you can get them in the door. But it's the paradigm that appears to be broken. And I feel like it's the same paradigm that's broken in many different topics. Do you, do you feel the same thing when you look at it through the lens of we're stuck in fear and not in love? Well, of course, it's about addressing symptoms, but not addressing cause. It's an allopathic uh, paradigm of medicine that you don't take care of the body. You don't proactively cultivate health. You just wait till the inevitable breakdown of health occurs. And then you seek to either suppress or um, eradicate the symptom. And of course, there's so much money to be made by suppressing and eradicating the symptom and not as much money to be made at proactively cultivating health. Although actually that's not even true that there is a lot of money uh, that can be made in a proactive service of um, health, but that's more of a new economy. It's more of a new economic model. We have the same issue though everywhere. It's why we do more to concentrate on uh, resourcing modes of war than resourcing peace building. It's in so many Many areas. It's just the treatment of symptom because it is only the treatment of things that the body's eyes can see. Mm, And that is where the spiritual issue comes in, that we are so outwardly, as you said, outwardly oriented that because of of the outward orientation, so many of the, the preventative measures have to do with What's happening inside the body before you even see it has to do with psychology, has to do with emotions, has to do with things that are brewing underneath the ground before things even erupt into symptoms. So the new paradigm has to do with taking a deeper look at what's really going on in people's bodies, what's really going on in people's minds, what's really going on in people's hearts, knowing if you do not address it early, then later you will have a problem. And the current economic model says, well, that's fine because there'll be a lot of money uh, to be made on treating the problem or um, even in the most vile and hideous ways, uh, there's money to be made. If those people act out, we'll just throw them in prison and there's money to be made there. Yeah, it's uh, it, it is sociopathic, actually, because it is without heart. It's, it is without empathy. It is without any level of compassion. And you see it, of course, today uh, with the covid relief packages, which leave so many people out and are so neglectful of so many people's needs, as opposed to other countries where people are getting uh, direct cash relief. So you, the answer to your question is that the the way the system looks at people in many in many instances related to health, related to life itself, is let them die. 
And we need to face that. We mm. need to face the horror of the fact that there is, is a level of, of dis, disregard uh, for whether or not people are healthy that really extends itself into disregard for whether or not people live. Wow. And, and do you think when we look at all everything on the surface, I feel like there's a moment where we can easily slip into um, hopelessness. And I and yet everything I know about the law of attraction, uh, that's not a good place for us to go. And when we're stuck in fear and hopelessness, not only is our immune system not going to do well, but, um, you know, everything else in our life is is withers away. So what I've been asking myself after spending a whole year really analyzing what the health crisis was is, okay. now what can we do on the individual level? And you have taught me several concepts, one of which is you is you go you got to go into the vertical to go into the horizontal. And uh, you've also your message around love and that there's that when disease exists, that there's a disconnect um, of the human with the spiritual version of that or the spirit and the human body. How do we how do we bring this back together? Because. I don't want this interview to be one of those that people walk away from and go, well, it's hopeless. There has to be some personal action we can take. The worst part of all, about what you just said is that you felt you needed the law of attraction to remind you of your own power. Mm. You're an American woman. No American should feel powerless. That shows what's wrong in our society mm. today. We're a democracy. So somehow, either you don't remember what you were taught in the seventh grade, or for some people, they were never taught it in the seventh grade because they didn't even learn civics, government, and American history, or the system has been so corrupted that you can't even remember a time when individuals could really make a difference. The answer to your question is supposed to be that the American people will not stand for this. The answer is supposed to be that we will elect very different kinds of people who represent our interests rather than the interests of corporate uh, profit maximization. That's why I keep going back to the idea that until we get the money out of politics, uh, this will not change. Now, we are living in politically revolutionary times. I think this last political election did show that the American people do have the capacity to say enough is enough about certain political manifestations. And I think that we should give ourselves credit for this, by the way. But we need to go much further. And we need to realize that it's not just about not electing a fascist. It's about electing a completely different kind of person who will stand up for uh, the needs of the people and the needs of uh, the average American, uh, both in terms of our health, in terms of our education, in terms of our uh, economic opportunities, before the needs and the, and the desires of, of the, the corporate donors. Right now, both major political parties, one much worse than the other. But both major political parties are far too influenced, one totally, by, uh, by the interests of, of corporate donors. And we, only we, the people, can change that. And yeah. that does have to do with getting involved in your local elections. I know we're all so exhausted after this last campaign season, but the truth of the matter is, right up ahead of us, we have those midterm elections will happening in, tw in 2022. And I, one of the things that I hope, Mindy, is that more people in communities like yours and mine will think about running for office. Mm. We need people in Congress who are having the conversation that you're talking about. We mm. need more people in Congress who will be talking in committees 
about the chemicals in our food and the chemicals in our water and the chemicals in our in our air. You know, one of the guests on my own podcast that you might wish to have on yours because she's so within all this is Erin Brockovich. Oh, I and, love you know, that. We all saw the movie 20 years ago. We know about the uh, the um, the suit that she won, the legal battle that she yep. won in Hinkley, California, about chromium-6 in the water. Well, you know what? You think it's gotten better? It's gotten far worse. Yep. Not only has the chromium-6 issue in water become far, far worse, but almost ubiquitous. Uh, she talks in her newest book about the fact that we have thousands and thousands and thousands of chemicals in our water and only a tiny few are tested. That's another area where I went on the on the um debate stage when they asked me about Flint, Michigan. I said, Flint, Michigan, what about Newark, New Jersey? What about Denmark, South Carolina? You are kidding yourself. If you are thinking you're not endangering your health and the health of your children every time you turn on the tap in more places than not in the United States. We need people in Congress who are talking about this. We And this is a psychological shift. Uh, Too many of us don't think in terms of political action as having it making a difference when in fact it does if enough of us vote for a different kind of person. But we have to override the malevolent influence of, of, of money on the system in order to do that. But we can, Mindy, and we need more people like yourself. We need more people like those who are listening right now who say, maybe I'll run. Maybe I'll run for city council. Hmm. Maybe I'll run for the school board to just get started and the, if, if you, you know, hope, you ask me, where do we get hope? Hope is born of participation and hopeful solutions. Mm. Mm. Get in there. Yep. Get in there. And yeah. the fact that you as an American, that, that, that the synapse doesn't happen quite the way it should, which is this is broken and we, the American people, are going to fix it. That's the biggest problem we have. For sure. Because I will tell you just total transparency that that with just, I, I feel like I didn't go to s- sleep. I've been watching everything and not knowing what to do. And that, and, and as I'm listening to you speak, I'm thinking there's a something I can do today. And okay. then there's something I can do long-term. May I ask, are you in, are you in, you're in Silicon Valley? Is yep. that where you are? Okay. Yep. You are probably in the congressional district of Congressman Ro Khanna. Do you know if Ro Khanna is your? Mm, I, that doesn't sound familiar. Are, are you anywhere near uh, the Facebook headquarters? Yeah, we're about uh, okay. 10 miles south. Okay, then I would think and check it out. He's in the 17th district. Do you know which number your congressional district is? Mm, yeah, okay. I should. Well, oh, check no. it out at the Google. Tour. Ro Khanna, if he's your congressman, who I assume he is, is one of the most progressive on these issues. And his new assignment has to do with environmental oversight. Mm. So if I, I find out when we're off, if he's your congressman and I want to connect you there and I and you what you need to do is to educate him. Mm. Okay. You know, when I was talking to him about uh, um, uh, Aaron Brockovich, he's the good guy. He's the kind of person you want in there. OK, but, you know, you need to go talk to him. Right. This is how it's supposed to work. He is your representative. And uh that that's how it happens. So it so happens. you I hope that I hope that a lot of people who are listening right now are googling who's my congressperson, who and then look into it, see what their what their stand is on issues that you care about, such as health. See what committees they're on. But Rokana is on environmental oversight, so uh, I'll make that connection for you. That would be beautiful. Absolutely. So at, 
on the individual level, then what I hear is look at those things that matter to you. So if health matters to you, then you need to do some investigation as to what's happening within your environment, everything from your waters to your soils. I mean, there's a whole lot to unpack there. And then you need to find people either decide to run yourself or find people in office who care about those issues or are open to hearing you. Is that well, what you would say? I, well, but but don't forget, there's that underlying issue of money and politics. So right. we should all take very, very seriously, uh, like I said, H.R. 1, which would override a lot of the problems, already passed in the House. I assume it will pass again in the House this year. There is a Senate uh, a Senate bill, which is equal to that. You know, you do live in California where you do have progressive uh most of the, not all of them, but yeah, most some of the it. people are progressive and your yeah. senators for the most part are, although there are certainly issues about that I'm finding today. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. But that when it comes to politics, you can't just keep your eye on the one particular issue you care about because we need to keep our eye on that underlying issue of the corruption of our democracy. Do you think as Americans that we are struggling to um, have meaningful conversations around everything from politics to health. One of the, again, the things that I've learned from you is this idea of thoughtful discourse. And I am, uh, when I'm again, listening to you speak, I'm thinking, okay, moving into not only trying to have these conversations with elected officials, but I think as communities, we should be having these conversations. But my experience has been, if we just take a, a topic like the vaccine, there's a lot to talk about there. I actually was on a, on a webinar last night about that the lead of the webinar was that people with autoimmune conditions might want to consider the vaccine as opposed to naturally getting it. I wanted to know what that was about. So I, am, I I'm, want to elevate this conversation of health and politics to a healthier place but it feels like we just keep shutting each other down, blocking each other out, and nobody wants to have the discussion. Well, who is we? I think the American people want to have conversations. I find the American people very open to conversations. What you're talking about is a matrix, a corporate matrix having to do with uh, politics and having to do with the media. I know when I ran for uh, president, if you make even the most nuanced uh, conversation, then I can tell you from my own experience, big farmers coming at you because they mm -hmm. came after me. This is an area, um, as in so many, where you the the ability and the willingness of the system to shut down any inconvenient conversation is pretty brutal, pretty scary. And yep. pretty, uh, and unfortunately, too, way too many people go along with that. So you do in today's world have to be very, very careful with that one because the, they, the, the, and their answer is to uh, brand anyone who has any conversation out of the established lines a kook. Right. Yep. A kook. A, kook, yeah. no, a quack. Yeah. A quack. And, ha and so how do we change that? Well, well, for one thing, we have to defend our. We have to defend our companions and our colleagues more when they try. Uh, if you see somebody running for office who tries to expand that conversation and they come after him or her, why don't you get on your own, uh, on your own um, uh, social media platform and uh, defend them and, and point out what's going on, send a donation. That is yeah. how they shut you down. I assure you I've had it done. Yeah. And I think many of us who have expanding platforms also get nervous that then we get shut down. Okay. And so let's talk about that. Yeah. Then. Go for it. That's called brand protection. 
Mm-hmm. That's called brand protection. And don't don't tell me you're all for love and enlightenment. If when it comes down to it, you're just another capitalist who's not going to say something if you might, if it might cut into your profits, then you're no different than they are. Love if it. you're telling me I'm, I'm not going to talk because if I do, I might have fewer clients. You are no, you are, you're just another corrupted capitalist. Mm, and that yeah. is the corruption of capitalism when you put your profits before, before your ethics. But, so I, I saw a lot of that and it sort of broke my heart. So, but my concern is not necessarily that. My concern <laughs> is that that my social media is a way that I can uh, have these conversations. And so if they shut it down, then how do we have these conversations? Well, they're not going to shut down your social media, but more people might, fewer people might be for you. For instance, I had, I made a post the other day uh, about the Holocaust Remembrance Day. Mm. And uh, as part of, this was on my Instagram. And part of it was mentioning that, um, when President Trump, former President Trump, the first Holocaust Remembrance Day of his presidency, the White House statement failed to mention Jews. And I said, I knew right then we were in trouble because who was he trying to please? Um, I noticed how many people came at me with um, how dare I say anything like that about President Trump and President Trump was so good to the Jews. And I made some comment like, there were people marching through the streets of Charlottesville yelling that old anti-Semitic trope, Jews shall not replace us, to which he responded, there are good people on both sides, which means he's a Nazi sympathizer. If you want me to be nice about that on my Instagram, you belong on somebody else's page. Mm. It's not being divisive to call things out. You're not being divisive to call out racism, except in the way that we need to. You're not being divisive to call out anti-Semitism, except in the way we need to. You're Mm -hmm. not being divisive to call out misogyny or homophobia, except in the way we need to. It's no different than what you're doing. Calling out big pharmaceutical companies, calling out food companies, calling out chemical companies, and do not expect everybody to applaud you. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. This is the this is the the disease of people pl- pleasing writ large. He well won't said. approve of me. Transfer it into a business model where they won't buy from me. They won't want to be on my page. They're going to yep. criticize me. There's got to be a point at which our thought is let them and let m- them. move forward. It's our yep. own codependent uh, relationship uh, to being liked. Mm-hmm. That holds us back. And I, I do understand because I understand in a case like yours, Mindy, you're trying to give all this health information and you don't want anything to block that. I also remind you that Hitler was a health nut. Hitler was a vegetarian. Mm. So, you know, there's got to be more, you know what I mean? There's yeah. got to be some issues that rank high. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear you. And I also feel like, do I want to get into the energy of attacking or do I want to just keep moving in a, a, an area of more inspiration? And I might not be able to do that, but let me just sort of give you an example. With my, my resetter movement, what I'm seeing is there is a massive lack of understanding on how the body works. So if they don't understand how the body works, 
then it's easy to get caught into the fear. And I don't want to go after, like, I personally don't want to have the mask debate. I'm not looking at the vaccine um, being always a negative conversation. How do we, I want to elevate the conversation to you were born in this intelligent self-healing body. Now let's talk about how we maximize that. Okay. So this is how the forces that be look at that. That's great. You have that conversation. That's just great. And maybe you can sell some online courses and maybe you can have a podcast and maybe you that that's really great, Mindy. And maybe all the privileged people who can afford to buy the food that you're talking about will listen to you and maybe they'll get healthier and that's great. But don't you dare don't you dare try to take it into the public realm what could, would actually make a difference for the millions and millions and millions of other people who are not so mm. privileged. Mm. And that's the, that, that's where we're stuck. Yeah. You, you and I, see, you and I and most of the people who are listening to you, we're in the club. Mm. Club's a wonderful place. We can talk about anything we want to here, Mindy. Mm. Well said. Not enough people can get into the club today. Now, mm. we can distract ourselves from that. And pretend it's not true, but it is true. When you have children, and there are tens of millions of them, who who go to schools where they're not even resourced enough to be able to teach that child to read by the time they're eight years old. The child is growing up in what's called a domestic war zone. The chances of that child ever even graduating from high school are drastically reduced. The chance of that child ever uh, ending up in prison one day is drastically increased. And the chances of that person being able to buy the healthy peanut butter mm-hmm. is almost nil. Yeah. Now, if you want to put your blinders on and forget about that, then you can do really well in America today. That is the problem. Mm-hmm. I that hear is you. the problem. That is the problem. Yeah. And if anything, the last four years has shown us is that we will pay a very, very high price in this country, if all we're dealing with are people like us and making it better for people like us. That's the problem. It's not the answer. And we, for so many years, did not tend. That's the danger of not tending to the multitude, as it were. Mm-hmm. You know, the problem in America, Mindy, is not that people can make money. That's a wonderful thing. The problem is n- not enough people can make money. Mm-hmm. The problem is how many people are locked out of the realm of just normal opportunity that give people a probability that if they work hard, they can make it in America. Yep. Yeah. So, so you cannot avoid these political issues at this time, I believe, and live the kind of meaningful and well-lived life that we all know that we want. And that's yeah. why I would hope that what has happened in the last four years would make all of us feel more deeply about our citizenship because you cannot, you cannot disconnect the issues that you're talking about from a larger issue of the institutional forces which would resist making the kinds of changes within the culture that you would recommend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I want to also spread that out to every individual, which is why I hear you. I hear what you're saying. And you and I have had this discussion before, and I absolutely uh I'm in alignment with what you're saying and know that it is difficult to do. And that doesn't mean we don't do it. So I've teamed up with Tony Horton. 
Do you know Tony Horton? He was the creator of P90X, one of the most revolutionary at-home fitness programs. And we created together a new fitness program called Power Sync 60. And it is literally, this program's never been done. It is a revolutionary 60-day program for both men and women. So here's why I want you to join us is that we literally created PowerSync 60 with you in mind. So it doesn't matter if you're a cycling woman, a postmenopausal woman, or a man. One of the things I brought to Tony was that when we work out, we have to think about our hormones. And he had never done that in the millions of workouts that he's created in his lifetime. We also included a free bonus meal plan and a customized tailor way you can eat right for yourself. Also, of course, we put some fasting in there and it was a beautiful meeting of the minds. So I, it, this is like a passion project that I'm so excited to share with you. And in order to get it, all you gotta do is visit drmindy.org and use the code PS60PELS. So PS60 and then my last name, PELS, P-E-L-Z, to get 20% off. And you get lifetime access to the program. So that's drmindy.org, and you use the code PS60PELS to join all of us. I'm actually doing this myself right now. So come join me, my community, on this incredible journey. I am so proud to bring this to you. What if every American took some took a step forward towards uh, us moving into a more loving, uh, healthy America. And I'm just going to stay with America right now. How, what can we start to do other than go to our congressmen? Um, what is on the individual level? I'm still trying to wrestle with what is it on the individual level? I think the kind of people that you and I are, and that are listening to your podcast already know the answer to that. We pray, we meditate, we make a spiritual practice, a large part of our, of, of our, life experience, knowing that that's the, the uh, cultivation of the nervous system that will enable us to have the thoughts, the courage, the insight, the ability to move forward in whatever way we can. It means that we take whatever field that we're in and yours, it has to do with health, but everybody listening has the area of their expertise or the area of their desire, the area of that activity, be the best mother, be the best father, be the best citizen, be the best uh, um, uh, artist, be the best business person, be the best scientist, be the best healer, be the best teacher. We all know that it's about lifting the vibration. Now, what I believe with all my heart is that America's good. American culture has already gone there. I mean, if you look at issue after issue and you look at the polls, Americans, the vast majority of Americans would say, yeah, we want a healthy environment. Yeah, we want healthy water. Yeah, we'd like better access to good food. The problem is not where the American people are. The problem is that we do not have a political container to further those desires because the political container has been corrupted. And then also, no one of us can fix it. But together, there is nothing we cannot do. And that's why Margaret Mead said, never doubt that a small group of concerned citizens can change the world. In fact, it's the only thing that ever has. When I ran for president, there were so many people who, and and I was supported by many, many people. Don't get me wrong. This is not a complaint. It's simply an observation. If you look at my whole health plan, nobody 
was taught, no other presidential candidate was talking about health the way I was in my whole health plan. I talked about the fact that if you go to the doctor and the doctor diagnoses you with an illness, that it is legislated, that it, it is mandatory, that you will be shown not only any pharmaceutical or allopathic options that are being recommended uh, by whatever doctor, but also if there are any non-allopathic remedies that have been shown to have anything near equally beneficial results, that you will be informed about those as well, and that those would also be covered by your insurance. Now, to be honest, anybody who says they care about those things, it is their responsibility to find the the candidates who are saying what you want heard in the political realm and support them. Yep. Yep. You know that they, that I read your whole health plan and it's, brilliant. Like everybody should go and just Google Marianne's name and look at her whole health plan. And I would agree. Everybody should look at that and, and see the beauty in, in a plan, a healthcare plan that takes into consideration the whole person and looks at them in a big picture. Here in California, do you know they did that with the opioid crisis? Yeah. That a bill, yeah, a bill went through that now when you are given uh, opioids, you have to be told the natural solutions to your pain as well. And of course, in California, there is, for the most part, a more progressive uh, sensibility having to do with uh, political behavior, both on state and local, as well as federal levels. Um, I think that what I naively thought when I ran for president was that the community would go, yay, and join with me. And I think there was more, oh, that's interesting, Marianne's running for president. There was a, there was a psychological step that I uh, that had was that 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 did not occur. That I think, whether it's me or anyone else, is not the issue. I I like to think after everything that we have been through, that when it comes to the next election cycle in twenty two and in twenty four, that people in communities such as ours would be far more hip to what's happening and what candidates are saying regarding the issues we care about. I think it's heartbreaking that when there was finally a kind of political breakthrough in our community that uh, we would be known for that having to do with people getting into QAnon, because that's the that is as opposite of political enlightenment as you could possibly go. Yeah. How give us some skills when we're when we're conversing with people that are completely on the opposite end of our opinion. You know, in social media, I can block them. I can defriend them. But I, I see a world where we're able to come together and disagree, but have uh, intelligent <clears throat> conversations. How do we deal with those people, maybe in our family, in our lives, in our, in our profession that are so different than us on their belief system? How do we elevate that conversation? Martin Luther King Jr. said, you have very little morally persuasive power with people who can feel your underlying contempt. So the first work is in anything in life is on ourselves. And dear God, please remove my own self-righteousness. Dear God, please remove any thought I have that I know and they don't, that I'm smart and they're not. There's a way to passionately disagree without making the other person personally wrong. If the other person is not open to that, in my experience, usually the better idea is to not discuss these things. I have that that has been where I have come to that there's a lot to talk about in life uh, that is meaningful. And if there's no opening there, 
for that kind of honorable debate. Yeah. Uh, that I don't see the point in the personal breakdown that comes from going at each other. Don't you think though it pushes it down? You don't think it pushes that? Like I feel like it, you know, we got to have some conversations. Well, well, of course we do, and there are many people I believe who are more than willing to have those conversations, but they don't want to be made wrong on a personal level. In my book, The Politics of Love, I wrote about having done an Easter service at a church in, I'm pretty sure it was North Carolina, Raleigh, I believe Raleigh, North Carolina. And after the, the church service, the ministers, two ministers, one of their husband and one of their son, the four of them took me to lunch. And on my way to the, um, to, to lunch, I th- I'm pretty sure Trump had just been elected. Yeah, Trump had just been elected. On the way to lunch, the, the, the gentleman who was the son of one of the ministers was a very nice man, very nice. But he told me he had voted for Trump. And because it had been an Easter service, we were, we were there mm. in that heart space. And I was able to just ask him why. And I heard him. Then when we went, I remember we were sitting at a booth and I said, did you vote for Trump? One person said, yes. Did you vote for Trump? Yes. Did you vote for Trump? I couldn't vote for either of them. And I knew the other man who voted for Trump. We had all just experienced Easter together. Mm. We were all in that sort of prayerful place. And you know what? I remember what I said. And I wrote about this in Politics of Love. I said, what is it I'm not saying? What is it I'm not saying? Mm -hmm. Because these were the nicest people. These were the nicest people. Yeah. They sing. And I remember they talked to me. And I, I, I could be in a non-reactive state, but I know I was in that non-reactive state because I had just done an Easter service. There, we were in a state of mind I don't think I could have necessarily achieved, and they were. And then I remember, not only did I learn some things about where, how they were viewing things, but I like to think they were viewing some things from me. I'll give you an example. I remember a woman, she was one of the ministers saying, well, I have a real difficult time when, when you said that America's a police state. And I talked about some of the shootings of black men that had not been arrested, that had not been armed, that had not been tried. I said, that is what a police state is. Mm. And she heard me. Yeah. I said, when the police just go around shooting anybody they want that is police state mm-hmm. and her reactivity, the word. And, and I saw her, I said, that is the behavior of a police state. I'm not saying we are a police state. I'm saying there are elements. That is what it is. And I remember, so I think that it went both ways, but I was very aware that even though we had that beautiful conversation, we had just experienced Easter together. We mm-hmm. had meditated together. We had prayed together. And that's why I think from a spiritual community uh, perspective, and this is, I used to be involved in an organization uh, I, I helped found called the Peace Alliance. And we would do these circles, citizen circles. Mm. We would first pray. First you pray, dear God, 
take away from me my own arrogance, take away from me my own self-righteousness, take away from me any thought that any of us have a monopoly on truth. Let me only see the innocence in my brother. Please take away my own stuff that would, 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 would cast aspersions or see guilt in someone else because they have the audacity not to agree with me. And then when you feel that work is done, now we can talk. Yeah. See, that's, that is the America that I'm dreaming of. Well, that it is, exists. It exists. Man, we have well, we have to do it. We, we, so you, if we that, be it. you can, don't just dream of it. Build it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, we're the adults. Right. Don't just dream it. Build it. Right. The abolitionists didn't just dream of abolition. Yep. The women suffragettes didn't just dream of giving women the right to vote. The civil rights workers didn't just dream of segregation, desegregation. They made it happen. And we have to as well. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. If you were president right now, 2021, what would you, what would you be rolling out? How would you get us out of this pandemic? The first thing that, well, as far as the pandemic is concerned, uh, equal, equal in severity to the, to the biological pandemic is the economic pandemic that it has produced. So the first thing I would want to make sure happen is that those $2,000 uh, indirect cash relief get into people's hands immediately. And I would want to see direct cash relief that gets into people's hands every month as long as the pandemic continues. And I wouldn't even mind some retroactive payments from when it began. I think that officialdom is is putting blinders on regarding the severity of the economic desperation that tens of millions of people are dealing with right now. We, of course, have been so set back. If President Trump had said towards the beginning, hey, everybody, good idea to wear wear a mask and worn a mask everywhere. Um, And also, I believe that, that paying people so that they're not desperate to go out to work let people stay home. If people would just stay home, there are there are all kinds of, of diagnostics that say if we could spend even four to six weeks, four to six weeks where the vast, vast, vast majority of people just stayed home. But the reason they can't is because they are economically desperate. They want to start uh, open the economy because they need to work, but they wouldn't have this desperation to work if they had the money to stay home, and then, of course, any question about masks wouldn't even be an issue because you would be home mm-hmm. with your yeah. own family. New Zealand did that. Of course. Uh, I was listening to somebody from Australia recently said, ooh, COVID. Wow, we haven't even talked about that in a while. Wow. That is what countries did that handled it well. And, of course, all the other issues of testing and tracing. There's something called the Defense Production Act, which President Trump could have um, activated immediately when all this happened. The Defense Production Act is where the president has the power to say to all, not only public companies, but private companies as well, you have to prioritize the manufacture of uh, safety equipment, PPE, ventilators, masks, uh, tracing equipment, contact trace, everything that we need, it could have been done. President Biden has activated that, but of course, it's going to take a long time now to play catch up. And then you have the fact, of course, that the big pharmaceutical companies are making so much money on this on this vaccine. I think I read the president of um, the CEO of Pfizer made nineteen million dollars as his salary last year. So when people are not eating, that is completely unacceptable in my book. Well, it should be unacceptable in your book. And it wasn't even possible until the 1980s. 
none of this. This all began in the 1980s. Because of? Oh, because of a complete change in tax law, mainly. What happened in the 1970s, the average worker in the United States could own a home, could own a car. This was the average worker could own a home, own a car, uh, a decent wage, not only a decent wage, but a wage enough that one parent could stay home. And still there were good benefits and they could go to vac- uh, they could take a vacation once a year and they could send their kids to college. That was the 1970s for the average worker in the United States. What happened in the 1980s was the introduction of trickle-down economic theory, which was the idea that the only responsibility that the corporation should have is fiduciary, financial responsibility to its stockholders. That's everything you and I are talking about. When the pharmaceutical company, the health insurance company, the chemical company, the food company, the fossil fuel company, anybody else that's that's the, the big agricultural company, their only responsibility is to increase stockholder value, even if that is at the expense of the worker, expense of the community, expense of the health of the country and the world, at the expense of the environment. And every bills were passed, laws were made to create a massive transfer of wealth into the hands of the stockholder class. That is a massive transfer of wealth into that proverbial 1%, where 1% controls more wealth than the bottom 90%. And we went from a time when President Eisenhower was president, he was a Republican president, and the marginal tax rate was 90%. We now have, for instance, in 2017, the $2 trillion tax cut uh, was took our corporate tax rate from 35 to 23%. I, I heard Kellyanne Conway bragging about this on Bill Maher the other night. What this means is that years ago, corporate taxes paid 33% of the treasury. Today, it's only 11%. Now, how does this translate into people's lives? That's why we don't have health care. Why we don't have yeah. why we don't have healthcare? Why we don't have better educational capacity? It's why you have so many kids with these college loan debts. It, it's it's why people are struggling. It's why that man can't afford the good peanut butter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's a large public issue that will make its way to your private door, and so they change ta- mainly tax policy, tax uh, tax subsidies, and something that is the big conversation now that Elizabeth Warren and others are talking about, that I talked about as well in my campaign, is a wealth tax. Why do we have a problem with billionaires paying 2% or 3% of their wealth? We have 635 billionaires in this country, which only exists because of of these changes. Why does Jeff Bezos pay no federal income tax? If you had a wealth crazy. tax on Jeff Bezos, it would not affect the quality of his life. It, you, when you're not at all billionaires, and yet if we had a two or three percent wealth tax on billionaires, we would have the money for all of these other things that would enable uh, our capitalist system to make room for for many many people. We need to regulate our capitalism. When you do not regulate capitalism, then what happens is that it becomes a dark force on the planet. That's why the Pope called it a form of terrorism. Mm -hmm. When capitalism is completely disconnected from any sense of ethical or moral responsibility, take your own work or my work or the work of anybody that is listening right now. They want to make money that we, we, 
listen, we're, we're excited about that in America. That we're a very entrepreneurial country. Isn't it cool that you can do this and make a profit? But if somebody said to you, Mindy, if you create that product, someone would get hurt. You might make money doing it, but someone might get hurt. Of course you would say, oh, well, I don't want to do that then. Mm-hmm, definitely. <laughs> I don't want to do that then. I want to make money, but not if somebody would get hurt. That's all we're talking about here. Right. Is regulations that are safety regulations. Uh, it's what the, ec- the economic paradigm of trickle-down economics would call job-killing regulations. They're not job-killing. They're people-killing when you, when you don't have those regulations. Because these regulations are safety regulations and um, uh, health regulations. And yeah, we need agreed. them. And if you don't have those regulations, you have the toxins, you have the chemicals, you have all of these other elements in our food, in our water, in our air, and in our earth that are literally killing us, making us a sickness care system rather than a healthcare system. Uh, Mic drop. That's, yes, agreed 100%. Uh, Last couple of questions I have for you. I, one of the people I'm going to interview actually in a couple of weeks is Bruce Lipton. And I know that you had him on and I, yeah. I actually, next week I get to interview uh, Michael Beckwith. So good, I, I've good got, friend, yeah. yeah, some of your, your um, buddies no, and no, no Michael for many years. Yeah. Yeah. Great minds. Well, one of the things that Bruce has taught us is that our thoughts affect our cellular makeup. And mm-hmm. uh, one of the concerns I have um, as we close down this interview is, we're just so there's so much fear to focus on right now. And so if there was one thing that we could do to just bring ourselves back to a place of love, is that prayer? Is that a morning meditation? Is there something, some daily practice that the individual can do so that we don't get sucked into the fear that's, that's swirling around us? Yes. And it is what you said. Every religious and spiritual tradition that I've ever known about emphasizes the power of the morning because the morning is when you first download the consciousness of the world. If you, whichever world you wish to inhabit that day, if you wake up in the morning and you go directly to your phone, to the computer, to the newspaper, television, radio, download what's going on on this planet, you are just downloading all the toxicity and the stress of the world. You take a bath in the morning because you don't want yesterday's dirt on your body. Mm. You meditate and pray to get rid of the stress. Mm, And it's the stress not only in your own mind, but in half the world or more. When we meditate and pray, the Course in Miracles says miracles are everyone's right, but purification is necessary first. Purification of the fear, the stress, the anxiety that is produced by all the chaos in the world today. Um, Course in Miracles workbook, Transcendental Meditation, Buddhist Meditation, Kabbalistic Meditation. There are so many forms of mindfulness, meditation, loving awareness, but preparing your your nervous system, as you you mentioned before, going into the vertical first. Prepare yourself. Prepare yourself as a vessel to receive the love, to receive the illumination, and to receive the instruction. Mm, Love that. Then, you know, one of the exercises in the course is, where would you have me go? What would you have me do? What would you have me say and to whom? Mm. And then you prepare yourself and then you go out into the day with the prayer that whatever situation you find yourself in, whatever circumstance, you'll be the best that you can be. You'll be the most loving, the most giving. You, you won't be there with selfishness or, um, or all about me. You'll be there to give. You'll be there to extend the love that heals the world. And you'll have a greater and greater 
realization that that's what everybody else is doing as well, who's thinking the same way. And you'll Mm -hmm. find yourself connecting with other people in ways that because we're both here, we can exponentially increase our value more than if we were doing this alone. And uh, we're in faith that uh, love will prevail because it always does. I love that. I love that. And I want to compliment you on your morning. I think you're calling it mornings with Marianne, Course in Miracles. I, I literally feel like, so I have a morning routine and it, it involves like sitting in the dark, you know, doing my meditation and now it involves you. And I feel like you're in my living room in the dark with me. And I, I, I pull up one of those. They're perfect anywhere from five to 10 minutes. And the Course in Miracles, I actually set out to understand it last year. And then, um, you know, you get such a, an initial understanding of it, but to have you interpret it every day Wow. Are you, you must be getting great feedback on it. Uh, people, I think people are enjoying it and it's good for me too, Mindy. I'm really having a wonderful time doing it. Really. You can tell. Yeah. You can you. tell. Like I, this morning I looked at it. I'm like, I, I felt like I feel right now, like I was having a real human connection, even though it was recorded. It's incredible. So thank, thank you. you. And, and I recommend everybody check it out. It is just enough mindset uh, infusion that you just sets you right in your day. So it's incredible. So thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Well, those are those daily lessons of the course. It's a very specific curriculum, dismantling a thought system based on fear in those first six months, and then replacing it with a thought system based on love. And then mm-hmm. you just start all over again. It's, it's kind of like physical exercise. You never get to stop, but it makes all the difference in the world. Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay. Last five. These are rapid fire <laughs> okay. questions. Okay? okay. So these are kind of fun and I, I have no idea how you're going to answer it. So I'm really excited. Okay. So you have met definitely some incredible people in your life. Who do you feel has had one of the greatest impacts on you that you have met face to face? Either Jackie Kennedy or Oprah Winfrey. Oh, and why? Well, Oprah, for obvious reasons, Oprah really opened up a career for me and I have thought pretty much about every word she ever said to me in terms of, I think she's an extremely wise woman. And Jackie Kennedy, who was Jacqueline Onassis, Onassis when I met her, I just feel I was in the presence of someone. You know, I've met, because of my career, as you said, many people who have been very famous. And with most people who have achieved huge fame, you feel there's a tiny bit of, don't forget who I am. Mm-hmm. With Jackie Onassis, you felt she was saying, please forget who I am. Oh, interesting. Please forget who I am so we can have a real conversation. Wow. Powerful. Wow. Okay, you've also read a lot of books. You've written a lot of books. I'm, I have two questions on this. This year, what's the, what book have you read that impacted you the most? Let's start there. I really loved James Doty's book. You've probably read it into No, that. I knew you were going to say that. I actually knew that because you turned me on to it, and then Isn't I loved it, it so much. Yeah, yeah, I gave it to everybody in my life. Yeah, I love it too. What would what, you resonate with on it? Well... First of all, his personal story is so touching Yep. to see the difference that that one woman made. You know, that was back a long time ago. She would be the kind of woman that you and I would know today. Yep. 
So she was that ilk before it was a mainstream. I mean, think about it. Because that was back, what, in the 1960s? Yep. So I think about that woman, the difference that she made in the life of one little boy who, if she had not met, if he had not met her, the trajectory of his life would have probably been, you know, our U.S. prison system is filled with people who were little boys just like him with the same potential he had, but they never met the lady in the magic shop. Mm -hmm. And, and that he ended up where he is, you know, famed neurosurgeon, Stanford, working with the Dalai Lama, discovering that all of the principles of metaphysics that he taught her are mirrored in the way the brain works and the way the heart works. The fact that in that book, he talks about, about the intelligence of the heart. There's one story in that book where I'm sure you remember, it's the introduction to the book where he was, uh, operating on the brain of a little four-year-old boy. And he gives the, the, the picture of the little boy before surgery and the mother and the grandmother who was so worried. And the little boy, he said, okay. You know, he said, okay, do it. I'm, we're going to do it. This is going to be fine. And everything was going well in the surgery. And one doctor next to him f- took his eye off something for like half a second and something went wrong and all this bleeding started and doctors start yelling, I'm losing him, we're losing him. And one doctor is getting under the table trying to cut the boy's blood with his hand. And, and James Doty, the neurosurgeon, can't see to do what he needs to do because there's so much blood. And he remembered what Ruth, that lady in the magic shop, had told him when he was a little boy. Go to your center. Just take a moment. And your brain, your subconscious knows things that your conscious mind doesn't know. Go to your center. And he just went there and he put his hand in and his hand knew exactly what to do. And he was able to save that boy's life. I was sucked into the book at that moment. Agreed. It's, it's incredible. One of my favorite quotes is, you never know how far reaching something you say, do, or think will affect the lives of millions tomorrow. And also the life of a child. Yeah. Kids yep. have no mentors today. The teachers have such large classes. They're overwhelmed. So many kids just falling through the cracks. That's why we need a whole department of children and youth. We have tens of millions of traumatized children. But this country is going to pay such a price 20 years from now for how much Great. neglect there is of 10-year-olds today. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Okay, you have an amazing podcast, and I recommend everybody. The conversations are so rich; they're so good. So, thank you. I just each one. I just I'm like soaking it up like a sponge. You are such a generous person, Mindy. It's really a delight getting to know you. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Who Who do you want to interview? Who's on your bucket list? Um, well, the people that are coming on, I'm really excited about Richard War is going to be on soon. Um, I already have uh, Aaron Brockovich, who I mentioned, will be coming. It. Will be, we've already recorded that. And Ro Khanna, the congressman that I want to introduce you to. Um, uh, we've got Rick Doblin. He's been talking about psych- psychedelics, which is a more and more interesting conversation. Mark Hyman's going to be on. Right. Um, uh, there's really no one that that I uh, Deepak Chopra is going to be on. Um, 
I'm pretty much so far. I haven't been told no. Well, Richard, uh, uh, Robert Reich told me no. And, really? Uh, yeah, I was sorry about that because I would have liked to have interviewed him. He's 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 a great guy, but he's kind of in with the in crowd, and I think that uh, I'm not quite. You're not there. <laughs> for, for him yet. Yeah. That's beautiful. Okay, if you could ask your, if you could go back and talk to your 20 year old self and give her some advice, what would you say to her? Relax, enjoy your youth, and you look so much better than you think you do. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's that, true. What woman, what woman at a certain age hasn't looked at a, at a picture of ourselves decades before and gone, I thought that was inadequate? Yep, so true. It's so true. I that was inadequate. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> okay, and then last last one. If you had one message for the world that you could get into everybody's brain and help them see, what would that message be? The same message I try to get into my own brain every day. Love each other. Be kinder. Give other people a break and get over yourself. <laughs> I love it. Marianne, it has been such a delight to get to know you. And I just, I love how I started this off. I really authentically mean this, that I love how you show up and you show up just complete. There's no surface level to you. You, you just show up and you're like, Some here I am. don't like that. <laughs> I, I adore it. And I, it, I just thank you for taking your time to talk to me and to my resetters and Keep doing what you're doing because we're watching and appreciating. Thank you so much, Mindy. Thank you. God bless you, honey. I appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. Hey, Resetters. I just want to start off by saying thank you so much for all your wonderful reviews and those of you that have left me comments on iTunes. I just greatly appreciate your thoughtfulness and how much you guys are enjoying these episodes. And it, and it seems like you're enjoying them as much as I am enjoying doing them. One of the things that I've learned in just interacting with so many people is that we've really lost the art of deep conversation. And for me, the Resetter Podcast stands for having meaningful conversations with people who are thinking about health, about life, about mindset in a way that we may not be getting on social media or in mainstream media. And so I just want to say, give you guys a shout out and just say thank you for participating in this process with me. Because as much as I absolutely love delivering the information to you, I love even more knowing that it's impacting your life. So please let us know if there's anything we can do to make this podcast more customized to you, to make it better. We are now officially in season two, and we are working to bring you the best conversations that health influencers have, that mindset changers can give, and to really deliver you something that you're not able to get anywhere else. So from the bottom of my heart, as I always say in my YouTube, from the bottom of my heart, I am deeply appreciative of you. I am deeply grateful to be on this journey with you and let's get healthy together.